following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, there's no denying it, my friends. Thanksgiving is over, and you know what that means. Black Friday's gone. And though the four Sundays of Advent don't start until next week, Christmas is here. (laughs) Yeah, well, yay, I guess. (laughs) But, you know, uh, this year, I'm okay with that. Usually, um, it swoops in fast and Christmas catches me by surprise. Uh, But this year, I feel like I'm ready for it or more ready than I have been. Um, uh, thank you. Um, and so one way uh, that I want to be prepared um, or be more prepared, and I would invite you to join me, is uh, in using an Advent devotional book um, by Paul, Lee, uh, Paul David Tripp. Um, called Come Let Us Adore Him. I know some of you have picked that up already, but they're daily readings, and Caroline is going to help me make a, like a Facebook group or something so that uh, we can share whatever insights we might get from those daily readings. So I invite you um, uh, to pick that up, Come Let Us Adore Him, by Paul David Tripp. No sponsorship here, just think it would be helpful. David Tripp. Yes, T-R-I-B-B. It's pronounced drip. (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There is a Kindle version of that, electronic version you can have before service is over, I'm sure. Anyway, well, this year, uh, it's not so much about getting a tree set up or decorating my uh, house or getting presents for everybody on the list that I'm ready for. I'm never ready for that. It doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what I do. I'm never feeling prepared for all of that stuff. But this year, I feel like I'm more prepared to consider the words of John chapter 1. Just listen. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. 
And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Doesn't that sound like Christmas to you? Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, eternally existent Son, took on flesh and dwelt among us, born of a virgin, born in a stable. It's his birth that we're supposed to be acknowledging in this crazy season. So this morning we are going to continue in our study in the book of Colossians in chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 8 through 15. That's on page 984 in the Pew Bibles and on a screen. And we are going to consider him who took on flesh and exactly what that means for us. Colossians 2, verse 8 through 15. But first, let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is um, to have our attention focused on you, to be allowed to do that not just by the law of the state, but by the hand of Almighty God. You have allowed us uh, to see you, to know and acknowledge you as our Savior, not just a philosophy or a set of rules, but as a person, as our Father, our Creator, and your divine Son sent for us, and the Holy Spirit that fills us. What a blessing that is. And Lord, we thank you for your word that shows us your love, that shows us the good that you have for us. If we would just pay attention and and follow it, what a difference it would make in our lives. So Lord, as we take our, uh, put our attention on your word, pray that your spirit would soften our hearts to receive the message that you gave so long ago. We praise you that you continue to speak through your word. We give you this time for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. I know that in our study in Colossians, nine verses, that's a big chunk. (laughs) But don't worry, it's going to take a while. Chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Um, I want to be careful because she's not here to defend herself. My sister, 
When we were teenagers, was a terrible driver. I don't know if it's gotten any better. I don't ride with her. But she had a philosophy that if there were bumps in the road or potholes or washboard, the faster you go, the fewer of them you feel. Right? If you go fast enough, you just fly over the tops of all of them. (laughs) I can attest, uh, I don't know if that worked or not, but I know that worked a lot on her car. Um, This, I don't say that to pick on her, but, well, I did, but... um, This text is just like that. This looks... uh, There's a lot going on here. Maybe we just skip on to chapter 3. We read it. Zip! And let's move on. But the whole book of Colossians is like that. That's why we've been taking these little tiny bites because we will skip over some wonderful... They're not potholes, so it's kind of a bad illustration, but some wonderful truth, some wonderful adventure here. Uh, in in this these rich verses, this just like the rest of this uh, this whole fantastic letter, this short passage so full of theological and doctrinal and ethical riches, just what you go looking for when you read the Bible, right? Uh, if you are if you are considering giving the Lord Jesus a gift for His birthday. Uh, I would challenge you to memorize these verses uh, to really let their truth sink in deep. I'm tempted to just preach from this text all through Advent uh, because it's so wonderful and rich. I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off. Probably not. I'll probably forget before lunch today. But Paul had just given us a wonderful illustration how the churches are like trees, like we're like trees. Uh, rooted and built up in the Lord Jesus and established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. All right? He was really filling out the words of Jesus in John 14:6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way that we should walk. He is the truth that our roots sink down into and draw nutrients from. And he is the life upon which our lives and faith are grounded and grounded upon and built up. There's no other way to the Father except through him. This is what makes Christianity unpopular in our day. So you say that Jesus is a way to God, that's fine. But it's not the only way. Well, that's not true. Jesus is the only way to God. There's no other system. There's no other religion. There's no other faith. There's no other deity. There's no other prophet. No other teacher that brings people to God the Father in restored relationship. He is the only way. Hmm. And that was the warning that Paul begins with here in verse 8 when he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Anybody here have the King James Version? No, you'd be giggling if you did. He said, Don't let anybody take you away as booty. 
That's what it says. You can look it up if you want. It's funny. Hmm. There were false teachers in Paul's day, just like there are in ours, that were trying to convince believers that there was a better way than following Christ, a better way than the way of Christ and his apostles. But here we are warned. Don't be fooled. Don't get kidnapped by misleading and hollow illusions pretending to be wisdom, which are only based on human traditions and the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Those um, elemental spirits of the world here, I don't want you to get confused. We're not talking about earth and fire and wind and water, and Captain Planet and all that elemental stuff. That's not, uh, not what he means. It's uh, talking about the basic principles of the world. Uh, breaking the principles down to their elements. That's why elemental. All right, the fundamental building blocks that the world embraces. Hmm. So when you are considering different philosophies that other people try to convince you of, there are two ways to recognize any philosophy that is based on these basic principles, the basic principles of the world. Number one, they elevate the self. Right? They elevate the self. And number two, they demote Christ. Okay? So write that down. I don't care if you write it on your hand or on the pew or on whatever. Yeah, write on Miss Aaron's shirt. Right? Two ways to know in the elemental spirit of the world, the basic principle of the world, it elevates the self and demotes Christ. And it's overwhelming to consider how prevalent these philosophies are in the world, and more importantly, and unfortunately, how prevalent they are in the church. They are. Hmm. The basic principles of the world puts the self first. That you are the most important person in the world. In fact, the world truly does revolve around you. Now, don't you feel better about yourself? Okay. This principle is also called pride. Maybe you've heard of it before. Uh, it puts the self above all others and is governed only by its feelings. That's how you know it's pride. The sad reality is that when we worship ourselves and are governed by how we feel, we will not tolerate the truth because it may contradict our views. It may make us feel bad about our choices. How dare anyone say that we are wrong? That's the worst insult you could tell anyone in our day and age. You're wrong. Whoa, I am not. What's true for you is not true for me. Okay, you heard that before? That's the elevation of self. That's the pride. Okay? The elementary principles of the world reject the idea of truth because it may not agree with what we want for ourselves. Because the truth calls sin, sin. And those that speak the truth are hated for it. Uh, but this is not new. This is not only a 2017 reality. It's been around for a long time. 
The proud heart rejects the notion that anything could possibly be wrong with it. Though it may acknowledge that nobody is perfect, it rejects the notion that the heart is deceitfully wicked, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've heard people say, well, mankind is basically good, right? Is that the truth? No, it's not. That is an elemental principle of the world, a basic building block of those apart from good, apart from Christ, is that, well, people are generally good. If left to themselves, they make good choices. It's wrong. That's wrong. Hmm. It rejects the idea that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the second telltale sign of the world's elementary principles that mankind is basically good and that demotes and devalues Christ. Do the math. If mankind is basically good, why did Jesus die? Uh, no answer, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't add up. If mankind is basically good, Jesus came and died for nothing. The elementary principles of the world deny the fact that Jesus' death on the cross accomplished anything. If we, don't, if we have no sin, we don't have any sin, we don't need forgiveness. If we don't uh, have any sin, we don't need a Savior. Jesus wasn't God made flesh. He was just a good moral teacher or maybe just some nut or a figment of somebody's imagination. That's the elemental principle of the world. If you ask people, even Gandhi would say, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your, or I like your Christ, but not your Christians. We didn't read it very closely. Hmm. These are the two snares that are set for us to elevate ourselves and to demote Jesus. But, brothers and sisters, there is only one way to keep from getting caught in this net of lies. Do you know what it is? You have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. Let's look at the truth. We've got the warning. Now we look at how to cut that net up. Verse 9. For in him, in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In the first advent, what we call Christmas, God, in his fullness, took on flesh. He is the incarnate Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas time, we use a lot of different words. We say Emmanuel. Do you know what it means? It's a Hebrew word means God with us. And I use the word incarnate all the time. You know what that is? In the flesh. All right? God made flesh. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's all that is right there. Incarnate Emmanuel. One word is Latin. The other is Hebrew. I guess it doesn't really matter. But... Mm. There is no, there is no, there is no eternal truth beyond Christ. To look beyond Christ is to look away from Him. This is not good. 
There is no eternal truth beyond Christ Jesus the Lord. To look beyond him is to look away from him. We want to add things. Well, it's Jesus plus being nice. It's, uh, you have faith in Jesus plus you go to church. Jesus plus you have to do these things and do those things and pray in this direction and face this way and kneel down, sit down, stand up, fight, fight, fight. No. To look for more than Jesus is to look away from Jesus. And verse 10. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. A better rendering might say, and you being in him who is the head of all rule and authority are made full. Uh, I don't know if you can understand one better than the other. You being in him who is the head of all rule and authority are made full. Full of what? I won't say what I think. Some of you are full of. It's full. I'm sorry. Lord, we need to pray some more. Full of. Uh, that, was, that was my flesh speaking, not the Holy Spirit, just in case you're taking notes. Full of what is full of Christ. You are made full of Christ. You are in him. He is full of you and you are full of him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that from chapter 1? Christ in you. He doesn't just take up a little part. He doesn't have like an apartment in there. When I was a kid, that's what I saw. Open your heart to Jesus and he'll come in. And there he is. You know, he's got a little table and a chair and a little lamp we could read by. In a little spot. No, no. He's too big for the apartment you have set aside for him. He wants to fill all of you. Your whole life. Not your Sunday morning, not your Wednesday night. Not all of it. Okay? Hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the ruler of all powers and principalities, both earthly and heavenly, the ruler of the physical and spiritual realms, fills our hearts with himself through faith in him. That's a wonderful truth. There is so much more for us. So much more than just Sunday morning. So much more in letting Christ fill every part of us. Do you know what that does? It gives your job purpose. It gives your hobbies purpose. It gives your relationships purpose. Because the purpose is Christ. You work that job, whether it's turning a crank or pulling the lever or whatever it is, you're there for Christ. He's put you there as a missionary for Him. Hmm. Verse 11 says, In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, here's a pothole we want to just drive fast over, right? It's embarrassing. We're gone. There's so much more to this. This symbol, circumcision, speaks of our death to sin. 
And in my study this week, I finally heard this idea explained in a way that makes sense. And I hope that I can convey it well to you. In the physical circumcision, the foreskin, the covering of the male sex organ is removed. In spiritual circumcision, the covering of our hearts is removed, revealing the hidden pride of our hearts and the dedication to ourselves and our self-interest. And by, as Paul put it, putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, we confess our sin and we repent of it and it is removed from us and it is dead. Do you understand that? I never understood before. I just thought it was a ritual tradition. What a rich and powerful symbol. Our sin, is, is, uh, uh, our sin nature is revealed. And the covering that hid it was put away. And it's gone. It's our death to our sin. Okay? Does it make sense this way? Hmm putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, that is the circumcision by Christ of our hearts, we confess our sin and repent of it, and it is removed from us. It is dead. And verse 12, this makes verse 12 make sense. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Baptism makes no sense without a death. Uh, we like to think of the raising to new life or washing away the sin, right? And then we all clap and celebrate when they come up, right? We've had baptism before. It's fun. What is baptism really? It's about burying a dead person. It's a funeral for the old man. Right? That's the first side of the coin. And of course, we don't leave them down there unless we feel inspired to sing all six verses of Amazing Grace while they're under the water. In baptism, we demonstrate symbolically and publicly that our sin is really dead. And we prove it by burying it. Right? Dead and buried. Though we were dead, like him, we were raised or you would be physically as well as spiritually dead. We're raised up like he was by faith alone in the powerful working of God. Baptism makes no sense without spiritual circumcision. There has to be a death of your old way in order for you to be made new. Baptism makes no sense. A burial makes no sense. We don't bury living people. We shouldn't. And you, who were dead, spiritually dead, in your trespasses, in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, still hiding the pride of your hearts, God made alive together with him permanently, having forgiven us all our trespasses and sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 
it just shows that none of it really has to do with us. It's not because, like, okay, so Jesus forgave you because you really weren't that bad. Right? And, you know, he wanted to put you to work. He likes you more than the next guy. No. There's nothing to do with us. There's nothing to do with our value or virtue. The list, the record of our debt. Ever seen that movie, what's it, Bruce Almighty? And, and Morgan Freeman, who's supposed to be playing Father God, introduces Jim Carrey or his character to the list. And it's a file cabinet. And, and he opens it and it just, and blows him for miles away. And it's all file cards of all his sin. He set it aside. God in Christ set that file cabinet infinitely long aside. He canceled the record of our debt. He doesn't remember what's in that file cabinet. doesn't even remember where he left it. It's gone. The word canceled here in the text literally means to wipe off to wipe away, to erase, to eliminate, to cause something to cease by obliterating any evidence of it. Get the point? It's gone. It's gone. God eliminated the record of our sin. How? By nailing it to the cross. Hmm. What does this mean? means that we're free we're free from condemnation there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus the record of our debt is gone he disarmed the rulers and the authorities the powers that would accuse us in the heavenly realms are defeated he triumphed over them in a cross they are the captives in his train subject to open shame as defeated enemies of God. Defeated enemies of his people. These are the fundamental principles of our faith. These are our basic building blocks. Our biggest problem is that we don't know them. We don't know these very well. And when we don't know our basic principles, we're easily deceived by the world's basic principles because they're easier and they make us feel better. Who wants to admit they have sin? Who wants to admit they need forgiveness? There is nothing that will make my kids cry faster than making one ask another for forgiveness. Not, sorry, I punched you in the face. Please forgive me for striking you. Boy, the first time we did that, they melted into a puddle. Admitting that we need forgiveness is not easy. It's not comfortable. If we don't know these basic principles, we will be caught in the snare, the net of the world's principles. We have to know what really happened to us. Do you know? Do you know what's really happened to you? 
this is what really happened to you. These potholes we'd rather skip over because they're too confusing and the words are too big. This is what happened. Know it. Live it. Embrace it. Memorize it for the love of Pete. For God's glory, not Pete's. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen? Amen. Would that God's word would come alive to us this way all the time. Mm. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father, what a wonderful gift you have given us. What a wonderful truth you have revealed to us. Father, may we take this word this morning and allow it to sink deep into our hearts, to take root, that we'd memorize it, embrace it, love it, and live it, that we'd not be caught in the snare of the world who tried to make us worship ourselves. They don't even know they're doing it. But, Lord, we know that you have done so much more for us. You have given us freedom. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from the penalty that we deserve for our sin. And you did all the work. May we be open to receive it. May we be willing to share it. May you be blessed as we live it. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.